Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 538. We're looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Let's read our passage. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now if Christ is in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He's writing this letter from Corinth on his third missionary journey, and his intention is to go to Rome after returning to Jerusalem. He wants to build up the church in Rome, and he's providing this letter to give them a theological basis for the gospel. All they have is the oral gospel that they've heard, and we're not even sure how, but probably people have heard it and accepted the gospel, become followers of Christ, and then gone to Rome. And then the followers of Christ have gathered there to form the Church of Rome. And there's been other converts then within Rome. Nobody has the New Testament because it hasn't been written yet. And that's why Paul's providing this letter to give them some basis for the gospel. He's been talking about sin. He's been talking about justification. He's been talking about the law. And now he's talking about the Spirit. So he talked about the futility of trying to be righteous by following the law. He didn't say following the law is bad, but he says is you cannot be righteous by following the law. You can only be righteous by being declared righteous by God, and that occurs through faith as an act of grace by God. And he just completed the section equating the law with sin and death. Not that the law is bad, but sin is bad, and so, sin perverts the law, and causes people trying to follow the law to just sin all the more. So we're into chapter 8 now, and he begins this discussion of life in the Spirit. Now he mentions the Spirit a lot in chapter 8. 21 times he says Spirit, and only two of those do not refer to the Holy Spirit. So he mentions the Holy Spirit here 19 times. Now it's not really providing a lesson about the Holy Spirit, What he's really discussing is living under the Holy Spirit or living with the Holy Spirit in you. So he's 
really give a more of a picture of how the workings of the Holy Spirit occur in us and what that looks like. And the section today, verses 1 through 13, are really the spirit of life. You could title it because he's really talking the, the contrast of life in the spirit versus death under the law. Let's dive into it. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Well, why is there no condemnation? Because those in Christ Jesus are justified by faith. Remember, chapter 1 and 2 was all about everyone is condemned already, and the only solution is justification by faith. And so, that occurs by faith in Jesus Christ. So those in Christ Jesus have been justified as an act of grace by God. That's why there's no condemnation. And he goes on to explain it in verse 2. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's debate over when he says law here. Does he mean the Mosaic law? It, it doesn't really fit. So I'd say no, he does not mean the Mosaic law here. They said law. Well, he used the Greek word nomos, which means law. And if you just went to any Greek person and used the word nomos, they would understand that to mean some kind of rule, some kind of authority, some kind of power, some kind of law. It's just the Jews who would understand it to be the law, the law of Moses. So the word nomos used here, it doesn't have to mean the Mosaic law. And so I don't think it does here. Now, it will in verse 3, but not in verse 2. So just think authority or principle. So the authority of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the authority of sin and death. And that's why there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who has been set free from that condemnation. Verse 3, for what the law could not do now, here he's using the Mosaic law. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. And that was what he's been arguing about, is there is no righteousness in following the law. The law reveals principles of God, but you cannot achieve righteousness by following the law. Righteousness only occurs by being justified by faith. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So basically what he's saying here is we are not condemned because God condemned sin. So he said we're not condemned up in verse 1, then down in verse Three, he's saying he condemned sin. So God condemned sin. That's why there's no condemnation for us. And how he did it? Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he uses the terms the Jews would understand a sin offering. So what's the whole point of a sin offering? Well, it took on the wrath of God. And that's where a lot of people struggle with the idea of why did Jesus die on a cross? What went on there? Well, couldn't God just do it some other way? Well, I'm not saying God couldn't have done it some other way, but this is the way he did do it. And he spoke a little bit about wrath in chapter 1 and 2, that 
everyone's under the wrath of God because they are sinners. We don't like that idea of wrathful God, but wrath is God's holy, H-O-L-Y, response to sin. The Bible clearly teaches that God's wrath is his response to sin. And so for justification by faith, for God to justify people, what's he do with this whole sin thing? Well, God says, okay, my wrath is my response to sin. So the fix this, so when I justify somebody by their faith in Jesus Christ, well, I poured out my wrath on Jesus on the cross. Now, how does that work? Well, it's kind of a God thing, so it's hard to explain exactly, but that's why you hear Jesus cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he experienced the wrath of God. How does it work? Can't really say, but he did experience the wrath of God. And, and what is that truly? When we really think about the wrath of God, we think about hell. And what is it about hell? Punishment? Yeah. It's also separation from God. And so in that moment where Jesus cries out, why have you forsaken? He experienced separation from the Father. And again, that's where you say, how's that work? Is the Trinity broke? Well, no, but he experienced it. And because he experienced the penalty of sin, he then acts as this sin offering to satisfy the wrath of God, which allows forgiveness of sin, justification by faith. Now, verse 4, he says that the, the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us. Now, notice that's passive voice. Passive voice that it would be fulfilled, meaning we didn't do anything. God is the one who did it for us. So there's nothing we did in that. And he says, and that happens with those who don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. They say you have to walk in the spirit to experience it. No, this is an output. This is a, a result of being forgiven of sin and justified by faith is then walking in the spirit. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. So if you just think about this, he's contrasting the flesh and the spirit here. So one is living in the flesh, the other's living in the spirit. And what comes out of that is minds set on things of the flesh or minds set on things of the spirit. Verse six, now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. And so mindset on the thing of the flesh, well, that would be death. Set on the things of the spirit, that'd be life and peace. Verse seven. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. That goes back to the first couple of chapters of you cannot achieve righteousness on your own because you are separated from God because of sin, hostile to God, enemies of God. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So here he's speaking to the people in Rome, people in the church of Rome. Talks about the people in the flesh can't please God. They're unable to. But you guys, you guys in the Roman church, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Now he says, if the Spirit of God lives in you, he's not questioning it. 
just as proper to say, since the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So there's no if, ands, or buts here, no middle ground. You're either a child of God or you're not. You're either in the Spirit or you're not. You're either forgiven of sin or you're not. Verse 10. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, that righteousness, where'd that come from? Justification by faith. What's justification? Being declared righteous. Justification by faith is the theme of Romans, and we have to throw it in there. He says, okay, it's because of righteousness. Well, where'd that righteousness come from? Didn't come from us. It came from God. We were justified. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. And he says, will do this, future. So, speaking of future resurrection, just as Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected in the future. I think he's also got a hint here of the here and now. And he talked about that earlier, the what's happening here and now. Just as the wrath of God is a future thing, but the wrath of God is being poured out now. The resurrection is a future thing, but life is here and now. We're born sinners, separated from God, spiritually dead, but we are alive in Christ, spiritually alive. So I think there's some of that going on here too, that the Spirit brings life to us in verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers and sisters, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I think what's going here is it's a call to don't think you're not subject to sin. Even though we are forgiven of sin, we are children of God, we are in the spirit, we have become spiritual life. We are no longer slaves of sin, we're slaves of God, but we do still sin. And we need to take sin seriously and not think that uh, that's no big deal now. Sin is a big deal. But the difference now is we can take sin seriously and do something about it. We don't hopelessly sin because we're incapable of not sinning. As children of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we, we can do something about sin. And so for us, okay, what do we do about sin? Well, take it seriously. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be in prayer. We need to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit within us. We need to be in fellowship with other believers. We need to be in a healthy relationship with God, growing in a relationship with God. And part of that is then putting to death the sin in our lives. Will we be completely sin-free? No, not in this life. But that's not license to sin. Sin is still a big deal and must be treated very seriously. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.